All right. What a blessing to be able to share this time together. Like I say, with all of you, my friends, near and far, Cornerstone community online, those of you joining us maybe even for the very first time. And if that's you, I'm Pastor Terry Lee, pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. Uh, we're going to talk about stress. That's what our series is about, seasons of stress. <laughs> I know a lot of us can relate to that. Um, just everything that's been going on in our world, things that are maybe going on in our own life, relational issues, health issues. Uh, you know, it's real. It's We live in an anxious time. And I know that God wants to teach us how to live in his peace. He wants us to be at peace, even sometimes in the middle of storms that we can't control. Uh, I'm going to talk about that. You know, the last two weeks we've been talking about stress and what it can do to us. We've been using the Old Testament prophet Elijah as a case study. Yeah, these last two weeks we've watched him struggle and, and break. And today we're going to watch as the Lord puts his wounded and broken servant back together. And my prayer is that we will learn from it. We will gain strength from it. We will learn how to receive what the Lord wants to also heal in us and settle in our soul, how he wants to give us more equanimity of spirit so that we can make our way through sometimes life's complexities and stress-inducing places. Um, I was actually reading an article, and, and, I, and I'm going to share it with you in a moment, because I've been thinking a lot about how we are living in uh, these these complicated times and how a lot of us are struggling with anxiety. And I mentioned chronic stress, which I'm going to differentiate between um, you know the two things. Right? There's, there's such a thing as acute stress and, and chronic stress. And chronic stress is that stress that's almost unrelenting. It's just sitting with us and we just feel stretched we never we're we never feel like we're free from it like things just constantly are ratcheted up some of us are feeling really overwhelmed i know that i know that Un unusually afraid others of us might be feeling hopelessly defeated like what's the use kind of thing uh, it's interesting about the holidays because they present to us this amazing opportunity. I mean, Thanksgiving to be thankful, Christmas to celebrate the gift of Jesus and receive his peace. And then even after that, the new year, which feels like a new beginning in many ways, and, and then leads us into the Easter season and the cross and the resurrection. Just you know, But I, I also realize that these next coming weeks here can also be highly anxious times and stressful times. And that's why we, we call the series what we did. And I was reading this article, as I mentioned a few weeks back in the Wall Street Journal by Peterson and Janin, and they talked about how stress affects our bodies. Now, I know some of us are aware of this already, but I do think it's helpful as a foundation point. They wrote this. They said, a growing number of scientific studies show that chronic stress can lead to a host of health problems, including depression, heart disease, immune system problems, and obesity. About three quarters of the people surveyed by the APA, the American Psychological Association, said they were feeling overwhelmed by the number of crises facing the world. Now, they went on to mention that not all stress is bad. Stress in small spurts, again called acute stress, 
is crucial actually to our survival. When we perceive a threat such as a car barreling towards us or a critical work deadline, our brains prompt the adrenal glands to release uh, adrenaline. And that makes the heart pump faster, moving blood to the muscles, breathing quickens, and we've all felt this. Sending extra oxygen to the brain, glucose surge gives the body a burst of energy. Uh, you could feel it in your body. The response heightens our senses, makes us more alert. We're very aware, very awake. The adrenal glands, though, also release the hormone cortisol. And when the brain no longer detects the threat, normally cortisol levels fall. But when our stress is chronic, when we're constantly in a point of tension, and, and again, some of that may be even self-induced because of the way we're handling things, we're letting them handle us. But it, it, what it does is it, the cortisol levels stay elevated, and that leads to inflammation and a host of health issues that are connected to it. So stress is a huge issue with a ton of implications, and it's something that I know God wants us to, to manage better because he cares about us. He loves us. God is for us. He's not against us. And not only does God want us to be well, <laughs> he wants us to be able to be well for others. And that doesn't mean everything has to be going perfectly or great. Some things happen and we just have to deal with it. But how we deal with it, how we allow the Lord to help us, that's huge. So even now, Lord, as we prepare to study your word together and just gain strength from it, I just ask that you would meet us where we need it most. You know where that is. Uh, you know what we're facing. You know the challenges that are already settling into our lives that we've been dealing with maybe in some cases for months, maybe even years. And now we're heading into the holidays and... Uh, we, we ask for you to just come and help illuminate us. Give us better understanding. Settle our hearts. Settle our souls. Settle our minds. Uh, settle our relationships. Heal our bodies. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Let your joy fill us. Come, Lord, come. Amen. First Kings 19, verses 1 through 10. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And we're told, verse three, then he, Elijah, was afraid. He rose and he ran for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying it is enough now oh lord take my life away I, i'm i'm no better than my fathers so let's return this picture <laughs> one more time try to get it in your mind's eye let's do this come on elijah is sitting under a broom tree a solitary man under a solitary tree in a solitary place He's in the wilderness. He's left civilization and his, his servant behind. He's alone. And in this barren place, he's laying bare his soul. And as I mentioned last week, he prayed. And someone will say, well, that's good. It's good that he prayed. Yeah, but he prayed <laughs> to die. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, basically, what he was saying is this, I, 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 I quit. I'm done. One, for one, he was depleted. He was depleted. It's, he was just worn out at so many levels. He had been under 
tremendous unrelenting strain. And then right when he thought things had turned his way and he had been given this mighty victory, which cost him so much, he was overwhelmed by uh, evil queen's tenacity. I mean, Jezebel was relentless. Instead of pulling back, she pushed even harder. And Elijah crumbled. He failed. He folded. That's the only way to describe it. I mean, he, he ran away like a like a frightened coward, and depleted and defeated. If I can put it this way, he wanted to be deleted. Basically, what he was saying was, "Erase me, God." Defeated, depleted, Lord. I think it's time for me to be deleted. I'm a worthless prophet, is what he's saying. I'm no better than my ancestors. You know that, Lord. I, I, I'm no better than my ancestors who disappointed you. I thought I was, but I'm not. And then notice God's response when uh, Elijah says, just take my life. I'm no better than my, my fathers who disobeyed you. God says, yeah, you're right. You are worthless. You're a pathetic quitter. Just give me a few minutes and I'll smite you and we'll be done with it. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not what God does. That's not what he says. Once again, we see that the Lord is compassionate and full of tender mercy, especially when we, he knows we love him, but that we're just weak and feeling really discouraged. I mean, Elijah is being very hard on himself, isn't he? And God is going to want him to be more gentle on himself. And it was as, as if the Lord says, look, Elijah, there are going to be, uh, well, there's going to need to be some time for correction and adjustments. We're going to talk about that later. But right now, I, I want to get you healed up so that you can be more receptive to what it is I want you to do. And, you know, what was true of God in the Older Testament is even more true of God in the New Testament. It's even more true in Christ, isn't it? I was reminded of the prophecy from Isaiah that was applied to Jesus in Matthew 12, 20. It says this, a bruised reed. Isn't this lovely? He will not break. How encouraging is that? And a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. I mean, the Lord doesn't snap snap us off, stamp us out. The Holy One is also, his eyes are fire, but he's also the gentle healer who, who helps us heal. So I don't think you can see it, but there were two things that the Lord let Elijah do. One, he let him vent. <laughs> which, and two, he, he had him sleep. We're told in verse 5 that he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And then something happened. An angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. So a spiritual being that looked like hum someone human. Um, we may see that as well in our mind's eye. This figure appears. And so the third thing, in addition to allowing him to vent and having him sleep, he the Lord has him eat. And we're told in verse six, and he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake that was baked. You might say a loaf of bread, a little cake 
on hot stones, and there was a jar of water. And he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. So there's the fourth one. Rest some more. Vent. He let him vent. He had him sleep. He had him eat. And he had him rest some more. And again, see how practical that is? I mean, why? Because Elijah is exhausted. He's he's exhausted in every way. Sometimes the best thing that we can do when we find ourselves breaking or in a dark pit is rest, or at least try to, right? Verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Now I want you to arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. Can you hear me when I say that? This really struck me, that some journeys are too great for us. That we, 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 we're going to need a touch. We're going to need a touch from the Lord and some provisional strength to do it. So I don't know, maybe some of us find ourselves in the middle of what is going to be a long journey. Maybe some of us are right on the beginning stages. We, we can look down the road and we go, this is going to be long. This is going to be tough. Uh, in those places, when we're in the middle of a long journey, we're going to need a touch from the Lord and some extra provisions to make it. Like I said, some of us might be facing that right now, or maybe someone we know, care for, someone we love dearly is. And that's going to require more of us than we think we have for either ourselves or be able to support them along the way. When we look down that road, it seems so daunting. It's a long journey ahead of us. You know, and this is where the Lord comes in. And I, I love this because the Lord comes in to give us what we need. Listen, so that we can do what must be done. At verse 8, it says, He arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. God had a destination for him. Who's going to meet him in a different way. Spiritually speaking, and this is also an important truth that I want us to be aware of, not every touch is the same and not every uh, every food, every, every provision that God gives us is the same. This, think about this. Elijah, and I've reflected on this more than a few times over the course of my decades of following Jesus. Uh, just This passage has always meant a great deal to me. It says that Elijah went on the strength of that for 40 40 days. Uh, he went on the strength of that food for 40 days. I mean, you want to talk about power-packed food? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that was a vitamin pack better than anything on the market. No protein sh- shake, no energy drink can match it. I mean, it's the envy of every Iron Man or Iron Woman, any ultra-distance runner. I mean, that food, 40 days to run on that. I mean, they, and then it says that as he, because again, not every, not every, Everything, every touch is the same. Sometimes we need a, a touch that can give us the strength we need to make a long run. We need a special touch. Verse 9 it says, There he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And I know you, I know you can relate to this as well. I, I, but, well, I think, I think we can. I mean, I think there are going to be times when the Lord is going to ask us the same question. I know he's asked this of me a couple of times, more than a couple of times in my life. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? 
What are you doing here? Because we, we can get stuck. We really can. We can get stuck in negativity. We can get stuck in resentment. We can get stuck in shame. We can get stuck in bitterness. All of those things can get us stuck. And I'm talking about uh, also this, this overwhelming sense of defeat that makes us quit moving. And we can lose our good momentum. We can lose heart. Like I said, we get just stuck. <sighs> and the scriptures remind us that we are not to be weary in well-doing, for in due time we, we will reap if we, if we faint not. And in verse 10, we're told, he said, oh, well, I have, uh, I have been, and look, look what he, he pushes back on God. He says, look, I have been very zealous, very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, They've, 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 they've killed your prophets. Come on. You know it with a sword. And I, I'm the, I'm the only one left. Even me, just me all by myself. And they, and they want, and they want, they want to seek my life and, and, and take it away as well. What was Elijah doing? What was he doing? A couple things really stand out here. One, he was revisiting his offense, his grievance, just mulling over it. You get the impression that he's been thinking about this nonstop. He can't get it out of his head. Right? Can't get it out of his head. You know, it's, no one, it's, he's offended. It's them. They're not, no one supports me. Right? And he, he was edging towards defining himself as a victim. And he was losing his perspective. So revisiting his, his offense, his grievance, edging towards defining himself as a victim and losing his perspective. None of those things are good for us. You know, when we're severely stretched, and I'm not saying I can't relate to that. I can, actually. But when we're severely stretched, we can easily lose our perspective and start to distort and catastrophize. <laughs> and as we start to negatively confess our situation in its worst way and we reinforce our fear and our you know anger and notice how the, the gentle voice of God starts to call him back watch this watch watch how God nurtures in Elijah a restored perspective because perspective because again Part of what he has done here is he's lost his perspective. It's what we do as well. When we're under chronic stress and we're feeling exceptionally anxious for a long stretch here, what happens is we, we start to lose our perspective. We start to blame. Uh, we start to confess negativity. We start to describe all the things that are wrong. We, our thinking patterns get, get out of whack and, and, and take us down into, into, you know, dark places and, Huh? Watch what the Lord does. Watch, watch what the Lord does as he uh, calls him back, as he works with Elijah, and just in the same way he wants to work with us when we're under seasons of stress. Yeah, he does. Look what it says here in verse 11. It says, he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. So go out there. I want you to stand out there and behold, the Lord passed by in some way. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. I mean, imagine the, the force of those winds punishing the rocks even. 
but the Lord was not in the wind. And then after the wind, there came this earthquake. The ground shook, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there came a fire, a torch, and it just blows up in flames. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, and I can't help but all those big things, God was trying to get his attention to the little thing, the soft thing, the most important thing. And when Elijah heard it, he, he, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Because again, the Lord was not in the fire. He was in the low whisper. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, this is a famous passage. This is a, a very memorable verse. The sound of a low whisper, or as the older version that I first read it in renders it, a still, small voice. I love that. A still, small voice. The Lord came to him in a still, small voice. God got his attention, the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. But the voice came softly in the silence, in the stillness. Think about that. Think about how the Lord speaks to us. How there are things that get our attention, but the the power of his word is in the stillness, the whisper of his voice. Again, what does the Lord ask? Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here now? This is both about location. What are you doing here in this place? But I also think it's about frame of mind. What are you doing in this place? How did you get here? What's going on with you? And he said, look, I, I have been very jealous for the Lord of hosts, for the Lord, the God of hosts, and, and for the people of Israel <laughs> they, they've forsaken your covenant, Lord, and thrown down your altars, and I, and they've killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, I'm, I'm, I'm the only one that's left, and they, they just, they want to seek my life, and they want to take it away too. I, he just repeats his line, but God gives them a new assignment. It's like the Lord said, "Okay, well, here's what I want you to do," and the Lord will do that with us too. The Lord said to him, I want you to go. Don't stay here. Time to move. Time to move forward with what I have for you here. Right? Don't stay stuck. I want you to return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you're going to anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. Those were the divided kingdom of Israel, the land of Israel, the people of Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, and Abel Mehaloah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. You're gonna, I'm gonna want you to anoint a successor and mentor him. So we're told here that he is to anoint new kings, and even more significantly, he is to anoint his, his successor. And that marks actually a shift. So out of this crisis moment, this critical place where he's overwhelmed by the chronic stress that he's been carrying and where he breaks down, out of this comes a new assignment 
for him. And maybe, and sometimes that's what the Lord will do. He, he will reset us in a new way with new assignments. And it, he's going to shift his role. So part of what Elijah is going to shift into is to the role of a mentor. Now that's a, that's a, that's a change in the way he has been doing things. So God is utilizing this season of stress that has broken him down. And out of this, he's creating a new assignment for him. And it implies that at least, if, if I may add this one more part here, it implies that at least some of what Elijah had been struggling with at this stage in his ministry was that he had become relationally isolated. And, and what's interesting is that the article that I opened up with actually described the devastating uh, effects of chronic stress. That the, and, and they were talking about that, and we read that, and how chronic stress, if it's not addressed, will, will crush us. But the authors actually went on to, to describe what I might call too often underestimated practices for reducing stress. And one they said, and this is going to sound simple, but it, 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 I've, I know this works. They talked about the value. And now overlay this, I'm going to mention in a moment, overlay this with what, what's happening here with Elijah as God is restoring him. But, but they talked about the value of a brisk nature walks. The combination of nature's restorative beauty and exercise has a way of, and I, I quote them here, strengthening the serotonin system in the brain, which affects mood and in the dopamine system, which is involved in anticipating rewards. And according to Dr. High's associate professor in the Department of Kinesiology at McMaster University in Ontario, it does one more thing. And I had never heard of this. The activity increases the release of a neuropeptide Y, a substance that is linked to stress reduction. They, they went on to say that even sitting for 10 minutes in, in nature's beauty can decrease cortisol levels. And so part of, of just being in the wilderness, I think, was restorative for Elijah. It created an environment of restoration. And you and I, think about it, even if it's 10 minutes, and whether it's walking in a, in a park or sitting underneath a tree or being around the greenery of, of, you know, just the, the beauty of nature. And it could be the ocean, uh, a lake, uh, a garden, you know, just allowing the, and then just spending time with the Lord there. I mean, it has value whether or not the Lord is brought in, but whenever you bring the creator in and sit with the creation and engage creation with the creator's presence, it takes it to a whole nother level. I mean, there are some people who just absolutely love nature. I'm one of them. I think it's the most beautiful thing, a flower, uh, a vast granite, uh, beauty of all kinds. I love desert nature. I love alpine nature. I love I love all of God's create, creative work. It's just, he's the master artist and he's just beautiful. And, and there's power in just being around the beauty of nature to restore the soul. And that's, that's true for everyone, actually, every human being, because that's how God made us. That's how he created us. The beauty of a sunset or the emerging of a new day. I mean, just 
But there's something even more profound when we sit with the creation and welcome in the creator. That, that makes restoration even more likely, right? And it does, it does things for our body. It, there's a healing effect. There is. That's the way that God uh, made us. It's the way that, that we were put together. We were designed. It's part of the creator's design. And we, we do better that way. So there's a value in just walking in the beauty of nature and, and getting around it and, and, and just exposing ourselves in a, in, in a positive way that, that God makes available to us. And, but, the, but, oh, they wanted to say one more thing. Remember I said there were two. So one has to do with just walking and, and, and when you walk in nature, you're also doing a kind of exercise. So there's, there's a combination benefit there as well. But they also said that there's one more thing that the research showed that also contributed to reducing uh, the whole impact of, of stress and the cortisol levels. They said, not only is it beneficial to take a nature walk, they said it's beneficial to do that with a trusted friend or friends. That when you do that, it's even more beneficial. And I, I, I mean, I thought that was fascinating to me. He said, you just add one more layer. Because I'm a, I'm a, I like the alone time there, but they're making the case that, that actually from a stress reduction standpoint, when you can be with others who you can be at peace with and share that experience, it's even more meaningful and valuable. And, you know, I look at that and I go, wow, if that's what the research is showing, then that just lines up so perfectly with what God is wanting to help Elijah with. Because he's saying, look, I, I want you to have someone to be a companion. I want you to have someone to apprentice I want you to have another to make your walk with. You see how important it is not to isolate ourselves, to make sure that we're also doing relational work. Because <sighs> when we fall, there'll be someone to help lift us. We need encouragement. We're not alone. To build those, those relational circles. So, you know, our, our bodies are amazingly complex human machines. Truly, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That stands out to me. And the other part that stands out to me is that God's word is so wise. There's so much wisdom in God's word. It is health to our bones and strength to our minds. And this is one thing I want us to remember. We will always be better with God and with his words than we would be without them. And we'll always be more healthy than we would have been without them. So with that in mind, uh, I want to pray then uh, we'll come back around and uh, just share this blessing together of, of a closing thought that I have for you. But uh, I, I want God's goodness to be all that you need. And I want you to be well of soul and mind and body and spirit. But let's share this and the connection. You'll see it in this song, the poetry in it, the beauty in it. And then we'll come back around and I'll close this out. So here we go.
still small voice when God whispers, when God speaks my name. He wants to speak your name. He's speaking it now. Every now and then you'll hear me talk about the breakdown that leads to the breakthrough, that leads to the breakout. And that's what was happening with Elijah. Yeah, he broke down. (laughs) But God was helping him to get a breakthrough. And that breakthrough was going to lead to a breakout. And may that be true for you and me as well. If we've hit a wall, if we're feeling overwhelmed, may we have, in the context of the breakdown, however it's playing itself out in us, may we have, with God's help, and patience and gentleness, a breakthrough. Yeah, even the firm hand sometimes that leads to the breakout. And we can look back and say, wow, the Lord helped me through this and set me up for a new season. And it doesn't always mean that we get past seasons of stress, but we do better in them. And then over time, I do think we can set set our gaze on a new season, a season of breakout. Why not? Lord, help us, we pray. We love you. Thank you for calling our name. We love to call on your name, Jesus. Amen.